is the planet's ultimate game. There may well be a storm brewing here tonight in many senses. What can happen today, we wonder. What is poppin', everybody? It is time for this edition of Dissecting the Pitch here on BlazeRadioOnline.com, as well as our podcast platforms on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm your host, Gareth Kwok, and I'm alongside my co-host here, Edwin Perez. Edwin, how are you doing, my man? Uh, you know, it's truly a tragic day when, you know, you, you know your other teammate is doing exercises, doing his warm-ups, and he pulls up with a hamstring injury. You know, he tried to play through it, but it seems like it wasn't going to happen. So we'd rather play it safe and, you know, save him for next week where we, we you know, we have some bigger matches coming up and still got a lot, still got a lot of time, you know, so we didn't want to risk him this week. So we had to take him out, and that is Miller McKinney. So, you know, definitely – if you have him on fantasy soccer, take him out of your lineup, you know, last second change because, you know, things happen. We got to keep rolling, though. Yeah, Miller is a, is a, is a scratch in the starting lineup tonight. Um, it's unfortunate, but as, uh, as everyone said, you know, the, we, we must continue on. Um, we must continue to put out, uh, as usual, a great podcast every week. And I know, Miller, I know you're going to be listening to this. So uh, we wish you the best of success in, uh, in his recovery. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, you, you know, you love to see when the, the, you know, you and me, or when it was you and Miller, when I was, uh, I had gone out on loan, just kind of step up into the role. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. I mean, for the OG fans, this is how it started. The FIFA fanatics is what gave birth to that second <laughs> of pitch. So I guess this was meant to be eventually to revisit it one day. I, I really guess it was, it was, uh, it was destiny. And uh, as you said, FIFA fanatics that always is going to be remembered as one of the greatest podcasts on blaze radioonline.com in the history of, of the radio station uh, for definitely some, some important reasons that we can, we'll, we'll get into another time, you know, but uh, I think it's about time we get into our rundown here of the week in soccer. We've had a lot of great action this past week with champions league la liga and el clasico and everyone's gonna detail also the the latest news in in barcelona and how how much that has been such a whirlwind with their president resigning and so we're gonna get all into that on this special episode of dissecting the pitch i know we had our our boy jerry walker on last week and and shout out to jerry for for helping us and uh giving us his insight for from leads and i know you you edwin you and jerry you guys are like I mean, I don't know if I want to call you a bandwagon fan, you know, for Leeds, but oh, I, think, I think I think Jerry has inspired you a little bit there. I think a little bit. I think um, anytime a team comes up, you know, I I definitely support them a, a little bit as long as it's not Millwall, because you know the rivalry between Millwall and West Ham is well documented. But I mean, at still time, I still support support them. Talking to someone who was a West Ham fan, and they're and they're like, "Wow, it's mad that you're actually going to support them." But anytime a team comes up, you know, I definitely. For them, especially with the team with a great history like Leeds and uh, Jerry, you know, we were looking at our options, you know, after Miller pulled up, you know, got the hamstring options. We tried to contact Jerry, but uh, he he fl- he was flying back to England, so we did not get in contact <laughs> with him in time. So, uh, you know, we, we had a limited resources, so we got to run with it. 
we do have some limited resources <laughs> and uh, we're trying to make the best out of the light of the situation. But you know what, Edwin? I think it's about time we get into some reaction from the UEFA Champions League match day two. We got three games that we're going to talk about here. And then, of course, get into some of the games that um, maybe caught our eyes as, and caught our, our Edwin's eyes. And so, but first off, the game that we both watched earlier today, we're recording this on a Wednesday. And uh, of course, we are going to have this go up on today, Friday. But Juventus nil, Barcelona two, with Barcelona getting the, the victory. And they are now uh, at the top of the group with six points in first place right now in Group G. And uh, I think, you know, from us watching it, Edwin, it was pretty clear that Barcelona, they deserved to get the three points. They had a lot of chances. Um, some chances, I think it, it probably should have been maybe three or four goals if you would, to be honest. But of course, for Juventus, they didn't have Cristiano Ronaldo still recovering from his positive COVID-19 test. But I want to pose a question here because uh, and this is a topic we're going to get into later in the show. But the president in Josep Bartomeu, he resigns. And then their next game, Barcelona. They do. They get the 2-0 win against one of the best teams in Europe. Uh, is, is there a little bit of a correlation between there? Uh, maybe Barcelona playing better and uh, showing a little bit more freedom there? Um, I don't think so. Um, we'll get into it more later, as you said, so I don't want to talk too much into it. But I don't, I don't think so. I think some of the players are happier. That's clear. I mean, you saw Messi with a big smile on his face. So I think there's connection with that. And I guess, you know, in that sense, I mean, if they're happier, you'd like to think that they're going to play better. So maybe that. But I think it's also you lost in the El Clasico, which, again, we're going to get into that even more later. A lot of Barcelona today, but, then you know, they're always in the headlines for various reasons, good or bad. But they'd lost to, they lost in El Clasico and pretty handily 3-1. So you kind of got embarrassed in your stadium and things like that. So at this, at this point, you got to respond. And you're playing a Juventus without Ronaldo, without their – Without their go, as Juventus Twitter likes to come at Barcelona before in that little Twitter exchange that the admins had with each other. And so you have that team who are not, I'm not saying a weak side, because they definitely have a great player like Vendicor, Cuadrado, and player Dybala, Morata, players players who can make a difference. But you're playing a Barcelona team, yes, young, but you have better talent that uh, overall, you, you had more depth in a sense available to you this game than Juventus did. And yes, you did have a young lineup, but some of these players are showing up and playing well, like Pedri and things like that. And, you know, Messi's not quite on form as we expect him. He does, he's doing the little things right, like dribbling, things like that, but his finishing just needs a little bit of improvement. He needs to do that. So you have that, you know, had up and you just, you, you, you look like the better side in the favorites today. I think typically Juventus on a good day with Ronaldo, maybe, maybe they, this would be a different result. You know, with, um, just because Barcelona is so young, but I think Barcelona got them at a good time. And just the whole situation, I think, just fit them well. That's why we saw a good Pedri play. We saw um, Messi do pretty well, De Jong, and then they brought up Busquets, who played decent. You had uh, Jordi Alba kind of step up. Neto as well, got to give a shout-out for playing in that Terstegen role while he's injured. So things like that. I think they just caught him at the good time. And, you know, I think Barcelona are going to get Terstegen but the next time we see uh, Juventus and uh, uh, Juventus are going to have Ronaldo, two two big playmakers. So again, you know Juventus will use excuse of without Ronaldo, but just Barca got Barca got the better of them today. Yeah, I think it's the as you said, the timing for them was was kind of fortunate 
in the, in the fact that they didn't have Ronaldo and they didn't really have a whole lot of whole lot of weapons. It seemed like they had most of the possession for the entire game. And I think we, we had both talked about while we were watching just how many chances Barcelona had and just some of them that they just they over they they did they, they made that additional pass that you didn't have to make. They just go ahead and score it, right? And so we saw that with Fati, who had a, a one-on-one, and and even though they were up, you know, two nil, I mean, it's still it's still a chance. It's still a chance to score and and uh, get on the score sheet. But they they sometimes were just overpassing, and so. But you love to see Barcelona already. Just I know it's it's it sounds so coincidental, but they, they looked like from an offensive standpoint that they're they were flowing a lot more on offense, and the passes were were crisp and clean, and and the defense held up. It didn't really look like Juventus had really too many legit chances. Although Alvaro Morata would like maybe would like to have something to say, although he was caught offside. I think what two or three times in the game. Uh, that just seems to be him and and how he, he he scores a lot of goals, right place, right time, or just gets caught offside, but um. But Barcelona, that was, I think, big. And, and what do you think, I think, from a Juventus standpoint, I know that they didn't have Ronaldo. But when you look at, um, you know, I know we're not going to talk a whole lot of Serie A today, but when you look at uh, this Juventus team, and uh, I'm kind of posing a, a question a little bit on the spot for you, but Juventus right now in the group, second, they got the win in their first game. But when you look at them in Serie A, they're fifth right now. So kind of how do you evaluate their performance right now in regards to in both competitions? Um, I think it's complicated because I think a lot of these teams are not performing to their best right now. I think a lot of these teams that are not Bayern Munich are not doing as well as they should have. Maybe it's the factor of just a Corona year and situation going on. There's a lot of distractions and things like that. But a lot of these teams are not playing to, to their styles and just to their way of play. So I don't think you can truly take too much into depth about what's going on. Yes, every team's facing the same situation, but I think teams are just going to get stronger as the season goes on. You know, I think Juventus being a fifth is not truly a worry. I mean, obviously it's not a great start, you know, as if we look at it right now and we're just talking about what's going on, then yes, it's not a great start. I think they're starting a little bit. I think just Morata in that situation with that ball, I think that duo is not connecting as they should defense. Winucci and, and, uh, and the center backs are not doing as well. And, you know, there's little things that they're going to fix as the season goes on, you know, Juventus, I think are one of those teams that get better as the season goes on. You know, they're not like a Bayern Munich who are going to stay hot forever. So, you know, I, I truly don't look into the table too much, especially when teams like Sasulu are right above them when they clearly are a better team than them. So I, I truly don't look into it too much, but like you, like you said, I mean, it is a little bit of concern just because, you know, you know, there's, there's things they need to fix and that's why they're losing games. Well, we move on now to another big time uh, Champions League match. A, a, a bit of a surprising result, I think, if you were to read this on paper. But Manchester United taking on RB Leipzig and United wins 5-0. That is not a typo. 5-0 the score. Uh, they just simply ran away in this one. Uh, Marcus Rashford came on in as a sub and he scored a hat trick. And it seemed like the last 10 minutes, RB Leipzig looked like they had just given up and, and just conceding goals and chances easily for United. And so I think I wish we had Miller here. Cause I know he would love to really explain this, but I'll, I'll ask you Edwin, because I think when we were giving our preview and our predictions and when I think you think about United and the two games in there's six points at the top of the group right now. And I think if you, if we had said that 
as a prediction, maybe when we had done our previews, I think both of you guys would have think I was lying, but <laughs> here we are now in uh, October, late October, and they are leading the so-called group of death in, in champions league. I mean, what do you make of that? Like you said, I think it's, it's, it's big for them because um, again, I, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but PSG weren't at their best. You know, they had their, the things where Mape wasn't finishing that day and Neymar wasn't finishing. So uh, they caught him on a good day. And then now they go on to a, a game where I think they're going to be better. Because I Man United also didn't play an amazing game that game. Everyone's going to look at that result versus PSG and say, what a result. They played well and things like that. But they weren't at their sharpest. You know, they did, they, they were the team that out of the two, they had the one player who made the difference, and that's what they ran with. So this time they actually played as a team and played well. I think a few of these goals were – but we can consider garbage time goals. You know, if we're, you know, like in football, we like to say garbage time points. That's This is, I think, would be the equivalent garbage time goals because I think after after the second goal, I think lives had kind of imploded where they were like, well, we're not going to win this game. Let's just, I don't know, let's just hope for the best and just try to send it all forward and attack and maybe get some goals. Maybe if, if we're going to have any chance of tying it, we got to go full out. And uh, that's when Man United caught them. I mean, there's just time when it was like a four on two with Man United attackers being the four and two defenders of Leipzig, which never is going to go well. And, you know, I think Man United did the little things well today as well as, you know, finding the right passes, you know, uh, just have having that right timing. Cause you know, there's one goal that they took away at first, but then VAR came back and just you know, rewarded the goal because they realized that he was right before the mid, the midpoint. So it wasn't offside. So things like that, they did, it was all going for them right now. I think that goal difference is going to be huge, you know, when we look at it later on, because they're going to face PSG again. And I think PSG will win that match. So who's going to get the top? I think it's going to be who has the big, bigger goal differential. And so Man United definitely has a big leap. So I got to give props to them. I know Miller probably would have said a lot more, you know, I think Miller would have probably talked more and said, you know, Rashford looked amazing, Martial and things like that. But I think it's a combination of Manny and I look solid. Rashford did look good. Mar Martial had his plays. Greenwood also, shout out to him for scoring in all the competition he has already in, at such a young age, like the FA Cup and things like that. So those little pieces, they're working. You know, Manny and I is a talented team that should be performing well, but I think they're performing a little better than we expected. I think it's amazing to see how much uh, a form can change within – two weeks or so. We were talking about this, I think two or three weeks when they had just suffered maybe one of the toughest defeats against Tottenham and they had the Maguire. Was it Maguire? Yeah. Was it? Mm -hmm. I know, it was, yeah. It was, or Maguire had the red card in England and then they just, it, it just seemed like everything was falling apart when they had faced Tottenham. That was like two or three weeks ago. And now they have turned it on and they've won uh, at least when you, when you combine champions league and premier league play, they have won three of their last four, uh, winning against Newcastle, their two Champions League wins, and then a draw against Chelsea. They play Arsenal on Sundays. So, I mean, you think about it, I think how how impressive that their offense is working with Rashford. And, I mean, that man is just uh, – he's still so young, but he's just such a dynamic threat and changes the whole game. And now you have Pogba who can come in and do his thing. They've been waiting. And and Greenwood as well. He's a, he's a young spark, and I think – Again, they have so much good potential. They just have – it's just the consistency. And I think we, we've talked about on the show how much they can be inconsistent in it shows, but that when they, are, when they are consistent and when they can have all those pieces shine, I mean, they really do look like one of the best teams in Europe. Exactly. Um, 
when they use that i think what you said at the end is important is when they when all those pieces are working and connecting i think that's that's when they are one of those best teams in europe but i think one thing that they got to work on is consistently being that way because i think they're a team that we're going to keep talking about oh they look very good and and everything we're going to praise Martial, we're going to praise rashford and things like that and those those great pieces like pogba on the high days, but then on the low days, we're going to be talking about, oh, wow, is this team even good enough? They need people like Sancho. We need, you know, other pieces like that. So I think it's just more of a consistency issue with Man United. And I think also Man United fans are those people who get, um, get a little fooled, you know, in the sense that, you know, in the highest of highs, they're, you know, say they're the best team in the world. They, everything's going well. Everything's good in life and things like that. When the lowest of lows, when everything's losing, they're like, sell this player, sell Martial, sell Rashford, sell things like that. So I think it's, I think they need consistency from their fans, you know, being supportive and things like that, but also need consistency in the team and the players and the owner and just overall. So I think if this team's going to make a good run, it's going to be that. If they can be consistently good, if people like McGuire can step up in, in situations like that. And speaking of consistency, a, a team that – Hasn't really shown its consistency so far, Justin, in Champions League play. Real Madrid, as we talk about this our this third game here, our third notable game of the Champions League match day two. Munchen, they faced Munchen-Gladbach, and Munchen-Gladbach with the 2-2 draw, as a matter of fact, in, in this one. Munchen-Gladbach jumping out on top in, early in the first half with two goals, very similar to how Shakhtar uh, Donetsk did um, back in Real's first uh, Champions League game. But now two, two, it was 2 nothing, and then in the last five or so minutes, Real Madrid, they get bailed out with some late magic from Benzema and, and Casemiro. So Edwin, uh, Real Madrid with just one point, though, through two matches, um, is it still early, though, for Real to be worried about their Champions League performance? Uh, yes and no. I think, like I said, not all teams are performing as they should. So, you know, like a team like Munchen Gladbeck should have won the game, but it was only a 2-2 uh, draw, as you said. And that scenario, I mean, look, there's things where you do got to worry about. And I think it, I do want to talk about it more with Conan and Clasco uh, and stuff, but when it comes to Champions League focus, you know, you, you need you needed that point. I think if you lost that game, I think I would be here probably very worried because then they're going to face, I think, the real threat in their group, which is Inter Milan. And having zero points in that situation, you're you're kind of screwed in that. Not that they can't beat Inter Milan, but, I mean, you lost your first two, and the Inter Milans are going to be on their highest of high just realizing you lost Monte Gladbach, you lost your Shakhtar not having your best Champions League and things like that. But you got the point back. You you looked great late, and you got to give credit to Casemiro. I think that's Casemiro, just spectacular game. I think he single-handedly had to carry that team and and get them that point. But, I mean, you look at this, and you're, you have to be worried when you're Zidane's name because I think you are um, – you, you're expected in Real Madrid to do well in the Champions League. You're expected to do go far because that's what that's the competition you do well. I mean, you're you're expected to at least finish top three in La Liga, but to have a far run in Champions League. And when teams like Munch and Gladbach are handling you, and I think deservingly should have won that game, and they've gotten lucky to get the point. And Shakhtar, where, again, the game was closer than I think it should have been because I think Shakhtar truly dominated the first half. It, it, it is kind of worrisome, but... 
they have the great talent. That, that's the thing about Real Madrid is they have the great talents like Casemiro, people like Sergio Ramos who can bail them out times, Benzema, th- things like that, where they can singly hit, carry game. But long-term, that's going to affect them when they face big teams like PSG, uh, teams like Bayern Munich and, and those scenarios. So it, it is worrisome, but I'm, I'm not going to say I'm, the, the sky is falling for them in the Champions League quite yet. Yeah, I, I think it would be – I think it's still fair to say that it's early – only one third of the, the group stage matches having been played. But as you mentioned, Inter Milan, that's their two next Champions League games. And you can make the case that Inter Milan is their, is the, is their toughest opponent in that group. And so if you, if you don't get any points against the next two matches, then you'd really be worried about that. But I think it's just alarming how much of a, a slow first half that Real Madrid has had in the past two games. It seemed like they didn't learn their lesson against Shakhtar and they, they certainly didn't show it against Munch and Gladbach and they had to be, be bailed out again in the last, you know, five to 10 minutes, which is not very ideal. And I think they should have, if you would ask them, I think one point is definitely one point in two matches is simply not going to get it done. So, you know, they have some time and I think with Inter Milan coming up, it will probably be a wake up call for them. Like, okay, this is the game we got to actually, you know, put our foot in the ground. We need to get three points and we need to get back in the group. It's still a very open competition right now in that, uh, let's see, in that group, group B. I mean, Shakhtar, they're in the first place with only four points right now. Munch and Gladbach in Milan, second and third respectively with two points uh, and then Real down at one. So it's not like there's one team that's already won their first two matches and they're down in a five-point hole. They, they still have plenty of time to to, to kind of dig themselves out, but it definitely didn't do them favors. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see next game, how they can respond. Cause it, it seemed like, okay, first game. All right. They against shock dart. All right. They didn't do well. Now let's see how they respond. It's like, well, they, they didn't learn their lesson. So, but that was the, that was kind of the three notable games that we highlighted. And now I'm going to ask my, my partner in crime here. What, what was another game that maybe caught your eye or that you're watching that, we- that, that alarmed you as well. Before I do talk, you know, I think you should go first because in a sense, I'll set you up here. Uh, you know, this morning I was laying down, you know, had a, had a, a, a little, bit, little bit of a long snooze. In, uh, uh-huh, yeah, the in, usual nap at like yeah. from 9 to 11 or so. All right, we don't have to talk about specifics here, <laughs> but uh, I, was, I was having a little bit of snooze, came into the room and said, are you watching any games? I was like, no, but you can put it on you know you can go watch it and so i came out to you watching a game so maybe i, I do want you to talk about it so i'm gonna let, i'm gonna let you talk about it so maybe this game caught your eye in the sense of how they how they perform today uh this was uh this was the game that it was the one of the early games from today it was the krasnodar versus chelsea and uh so i i just yeah it was it was i'm happy that i actually got to watch some i had some time to watch something this this week just from how our schedules have been this this weekend we don't need to get into what um you know what i did over the weekend and no, it wasn't trust me it wasn't anything troublesome or anything like that just very busy uh That's helping out helping out helping out in in sports journalism and of course but mm-hmm. um but yeah krasnodar chelsea i for, i i thought although it was a four nil score by uh, Chelsea, the first, what, the first like 80, 80 or so minutes, Krasnodar actually put up like a, a decent, decent fight. They were, they were creating some chances and making it kind of, kind of a challenge for uh, their, for Chelsea's goalkeeper in Mendy. I mean, he had to keep his, he had to keep himself on his toes there, but, um, but I think at the end of the day, I mean, when you look at this, 
Chelsea team, I think that's what catches my eye and how much, how much depth they have. And it, it look, it, it's looking like they're bringing ZH off the bench as a way to, you know, be creative and, and provide a little bit of some offensive boost, I say. And then you have Timo who, who scored the pen. He, 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 he banged that into the left corner. I mean, that's what he does. Pulisic as well. I, this team has so much good depth and players. I mean, I think they really could go far. That was kind of a game that I thought, all right, this Krasnodar, they put up a little fight, but in the end of the day, Chelsea, they kind of ran away with it at the very end. Got a penalty there, but is, is that was that the game that you were going to allude to? I'm sorry if I took a little bit of uh, your insight there. No, um, no, I, I think uh, you, <laughs> you 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 covered that Chelsea Crosby game very well. So I, I had to let Thank you. you. Thank you. I, I gotta be I gotta be Steve Nickel from ESPN FC <laughs> once every once a semester. You know. <laughs> That's fair. You know, I, I had to give you some because I, you know, you you watching. I had to give you your fair due and fair speaking so I, ha- I had to let you go on that you know but um truly what game caught my eye it, it's hard because I think some of these results are are you know not surprising in the eyes of a lot of people like the Porto 2-0 I mean Lazio got that drawers club Rouge, which is a little interesting to say because you know Lazio I think should have gotten the three points in that kind of matchup Dortmund bounced back but they should have and I don't think they they had to worry that much, but they got it off a penalty and early Elon late goal. So, I mean, those, those things are interesting. But I think a matchup that not a lot of people have talked about, but I think is a good matchup, it was the Ajax and Atlanta game where it's two teams that are, I would say, are pretty even. You know, a lot of people would favor Ajax because over the years they've done pretty well. But, I mean, this Atlanta team proved last year that they're not a joke and can't be taken lightly, especially with a player like Duvon Zapata. But that 2-2, uh, 2-2 game was – a good one because both of them have their, you know, great talents, but also they have, you know, their, their downfalls. And I think that showed because it was pretty even all around. I mean, when he went through possession, I got, uh, got a little more, but it was basically 50, 50, you know, it was pretty close. And then when you look at shots, it's pretty even and things like that. So it was, it, that type of matchup is an even matchup. It was about who's, group of players is going to play better but at the end of the day they got the draw because I mean Duvon Spata like I said just truly an electric player he responded in that second half got two goals to draw it up and I think he played pretty well I think you know uh, people like Ilicic behind him and and just that team just played uh, responded very well to being down to zero well when an Ajax you know they they kind of struggled to hold that lead and it's because that defense they're not known for that good defensive lead um kind of set up in a sense, you know, they play that for four, four, three, three style. That four back is not uh, as well suited and not as, you know, not one of the best defenses around the world is what we can say. They have the attacking players like nearest up there where they're going to make a difference, but they don't have that defense. And it kind of showed in that second half, but overall that matchup was great. So two, two results. So I think it was big for both of them. I'm excited to see when they play again. Yeah, that, that's going to be a battle for that number two spot for Group D. Well, Liverpool, they got the two wins already, and now who's going to get number two? Currently, Atlanta's in that spot. They got four points, and Ajax with only one point. They they lost their first game against Liverpool, and now their uh, second game draw against uh, Atlanta 2-2. But I think that second spot will be something to something to really monitor, and I think it's just the, the just the something that come, came to my head is just how much that roster has, has been – has been gutted since we, I think since we almost came to ASU and since we started our college careers room and how there's no Frankie de Jong, no Donnie Vandebig, no Z now. And just so many of their star players that are 
are gone now from 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 the time we we uh, we came in and, and started this show. And so it's it's really interesting to see how they can uh, continue that success, of course. But um, let's go on. Final questions here for this Champions League segment. Biggest winner and biggest loser from this match day two. And I know we didn't really do it the last time, but I think that was tough to do it just from one game alone. But now that you see two games, so I guess maybe biggest winner and biggest loser from the first third of match day of, of the Champions League match days. I do want you to go first, not to put you on the spot, but I'm going to go with two two teams that I think you're going to question a little bit. But I, okay. I, I'll need a little more explanation why. Yeah, all right, well, I'm... I'm gonna have to put on. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you. Uh, you know, uh, contemplate it a little bit. But I'll say my, my winner did lose a game, which is why I've okay. It. Well, the, this is you're the expert here. I'm putting on the Craig Burley hat just for, <laughs> just for the just for this one hour only, as I like to watch my ESPN FC. If you know me, <laughs> um, my winner I think is gonna go to United. Um, I think the, the six points in group H, remember we, I think just from seeing some of the community and, and seeing, seeing some of the comments on, on this win and from like the highlights and all that, I mean, the group of death is like, they were saying, was it really the group of death to Manchester United or are they giving this group to death is, is kind of what they were saying about it. And so to see them, I don't think anyone predicted them to have six points and be at the top of the table in group H, they got a good head start already. And, um, they faced already two of the most Import, uh, two of the most toughest opponents. Now they got to face Istanbul. There's a good chance they could they could already go nine points in three games. You know, maybe they can get a draw, maybe a win. A loss wouldn't really would not necessarily hurt them. So I think the six points is big uh, when you consider that they and Leipzig are the ones probably competing for number two right now. But of course, anything can happen. Um, so that's going to be my winner. And I know these aren't very you know sexy picks, but the loser I think is Real Madrid. I think the one point in two games does hurt them. And yes, we had talked about how there's only, they've been, they're only down three points at the top of the table, but you got the inter Milan stretch coming up two straight games against them. Inter is always a, a tough opponent and just, it just seeming like Real and champions league. It's just not their thing, even though in La Liga, they're performing well, but just champions league is, is apparently just a different story. So the B in that hole doesn't necessarily help them. And I think that makes them uh, a bit of a loser here, but well, Mr. Perez, what you, you, you are, you're known for thinking outside the box, of course, I, yeah, you know, well, what, yeah. what kind of things do you have up your sleeve? What kind of teams do you have up on your sleeve here? Biggest I winner, know. biggest loser. Hey, you know, it's just going to be questionable in the sense that, you know, with the results I'm going off of, you think I shouldn't be saying this, but I am. Um, you gave the loser to Real Madrid just to clear up, correct? I did. Just, just to clear up. I'm going to get actually give it to other team in that matchup in Munching Gladbach. And in the scenario, you you have a 2-0 lead. That Real Madrid team, yes, they're good. You know, you shouldn't be beating them. But you have that 2-0 lead until the 85th minute, right? As a team, you have to buckle down for five-plus minutes and just control a – a two-goal lead and not implode late, you know? I think it's, it's a fair task for any team, you know? Even a team like, you know, I, I could I could probably feel Wolverhampton against Real Madrid with a 2-0 lead and, you know, expect them from 85th to 90th to hold a Real Madrid team to no goals or one goal. One goal, fair enough. But they, they imploded and they led two goals and led Casemiro, out of all people, a CDM, 
basically destroy their defense and kind of create offense for that team. And so just that alone is it, – it, it kind of gives – I'm giving them biggest loser because it, that three points would have been huge because I picked them personally. Uh, and if I'm not wrong, I – no, I think I, I said someone should pick them. I might have not been the one, but uh, we have to go back on the picks. But I said they're going to be a threat. And the way you're a threat, you win that game. And you could lose next time to Real Madrid 5-0, whatever. But you got that one big versus, uh, win versus Real Madrid. And then now you just have to take care of your business versus smaller opponent and then draw against Inter Milan. And bang, you're you're into the next round. And so that that was huge for them. But to employ like that, I have to give them the loss because that one point I think is going to be the difference between them not being in the Champions League and, and not. So uh, on the other side, I'm going to give my uh, – winner to a team that lost um mm. a result that we haven't talked to it's a Sevilla versus Rennes and Rennes lost 1-0 but um just to kind of mention it in the sense that Sevilla had 23 shots 10 shots on target possession 66 percent they have 540 passes 86 percent of them are accurate all those stats you kind of think oh that team probably won 4-0 5-0 that's kind of the stat line of Man United but Rennes didn't only lost one zero. They did that without Eduardo Camavinga, a guy that we're we're very fond of in the show, and they did that also without Steven Nzanzi. So they were already depleted, and they're playing a Sevilla team who's not a joke. You know, they they do well. They do better in um, Europa League, but I mean, doing pretty well in this Champions League, and they're gonna dominate because I think they're the better team in that matchup, even when uh, Rennes are fully healthy. But I mean, imagine if it were to come and Zanzi are in the game. That might have been the difference between getting a draw, even a, maybe a win. Uh, they just got that, uh, you know, Sevilla got a 55th minute goal, and after that, they can control the game. But I think just to get the 1 0 loss there, I think that's huge for them. So that's why I'm gonna pick them as a winner, even though they did lose. Well, it's definitely a development for that team. They got Kamavinga. That if they can find a way to compete without him and 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 all that, that'd be that'd be big as well. But uh, let's move on here to uh, La Liga in our segment here, where we I know we've been talking a lot of Premier League, and uh, I thought it'd be a good time to switch things up and and talk about La Liga, another big time league here, and I mean one of the power fives in in Europe, and so. Uh, Mr. Perez, El Clasico. I wasn't able to watch it, but maybe did, were you able to watch a little bit of El Clasico th- this weekend? Uh, second half, first half second was, half. Uh, I believe, seven a.m. So uh, <laughs> I woke up at eight a.m. for the second half. You know? you know what? That's that's understandable, of course. But uh, Real, Mad- <laughs> Real Madrid with a three-one win. Um, the theme right now, Real Madrid. They're second in the table right now in La Liga. I'll I'll go through down the table real quick for those listening. But Real Sociedad in first with fourteen points, and then he goes Real Madrid in second with thirteen. Granada in third with thirteen. Villarreal in fourth with twelve. Atletico Madrid in fifth with 11. And then all the way down at 12 is Barcelona with seven. So that's just a bit of a table update. Um, and so your takeaways, Mr. Perez, from this El Clasico um, and just how, how how did Barcelona, why, why how come they weren't able to get it done? Or how was Real Madrid able to pull away? I'm going to first focus on the table, if you don't mind, and then I'll get into El Clasico. Yeah, of course. I just want to talk about the tape, uh, table, you know, as a, you know, spectator. And I'm not, I'm, before I say this, I am not rushing you, Garrett. So I am not, I'm not here to call you out. 
But when you look at the table, you know, you look like you just, the standings are the way it is, you know, like you can't argue. But, I mean, Real Sociedad is on seven matches played with 14 points. So, technically, if we, uh, Barcelona won the next two games, that would be basically where Real Madrid's at. Real Madrid win their next game, they're top of the table. Um, now, if I had to go win their next two games, they're also on the top, but right behind Real Madrid. So, I mean, things – no, actually, they'd be on top of Real Madrid if they won their next two games. Excuse me. So, this table, it's weird, it's weird right now because they're, all of them are not on the evenly uh, matches played because Barcelona and Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid obviously are in the European competitions and international break also didn't help that. And also, they had a longer break as well because of last season. So, things like that have made this schedule weird. So, when, when I look at the table, am I worried about any of the results? Am I shocked? Not necessarily because – Yes, Barcelona are a young team, and I'm not going to use that as an excuse of why they're in 12, but, I mean, also, I have faith that they can at least win one of their next matches. And, you know, we'll say, for example, they draw one. So, basically, with seven matches, they would be at 11 points, which would put them right where uh, Atletico Madrid are, which are fifth, which is fine, especially in, in a long La Liga season where um, early early part, obviously, is very important, but your team is going to get better as you grow and things like that, especially with a young team like Barcelona. So, they're, they're, they're figuring out their style and figuring out their way, figuring out their lineup, you know, slowly and surely because they're all so young. And when, once they do that, Messi hits his form because Messi is not on his 100% form, then they'll be right up there. Real Madrid as well, you know, I'm not discrediting them, but they've done, you know, they, they deserve to be where they are. And with another win, which I believe they'll get, they'll be up there. And also Atletico Madrid, you got you to gotta applaud them. They've done well in La Liga so far. That might be the focus this year. And I do, I do have faith in them to get – uh, results in, in these next few games so that they'll be on top for quite a bit so things like that so that's why this table you know you look at it but you can't say too much about it because of the matches played and those scenarios so I think when once we hit you know maybe after the winter transfer window when they're all caught up maybe we can look more in depth about the table but uh let's go talk about a classic because I mean I think that's the main talking point anytime that matchup happens i mean i think it still is the best rivalry in this game i mean yes it doesn't have the stars like ronaldo is still in it maybe not strong but in a year give it i think alon and mafia are going to be in that matchup but that's just a personal prediction um but when we look at takeaways from the game um i think madrid you know the var always likes to favor uh madrid and the referees too i send a video to gareth earlier in the year with uh, Real Madrid's lineup, and it was all referees uh, uh, that were in La Liga. <laughs> and I, I just think, uh, again, I'm not here to use referees as an excuse because, you know, if you, you got to win the game. You can't let a referee control the game. That's period, you know. Like, even you know, when it happens to my team, you know, it's unexcusable. But the penalty call is very, very questionable. Very questionable about the bar situation. And <laughs> it, it – I mean, even Barcelona, yes, I'm not saying that they're sore losers and the reason why they're submitting something is because they, they feel ripped off, but they're submitting something because that, that penalty is not a penalty. You know, that the whole scenario shouldn't have happened. And I'm not saying that changed the game. You know, maybe Luka Modric still scores in the 90th minute, but at the end of the day, um, that shouldn't have been a penalty. I think, I think deservingly, I'm not saying Barcelona deserved the win. I'm not saying Real Madrid deserved the win. I think a draw would have been perfect for this game, but – you know, referee favors you day, you got to take advantage of it. And they did. So you got to, you got to give credit where credit's due. Um, takeaways from the game. Truly. I think uh, Fati's not scared about Clasico. You know, he, he showed up, you know, he scored a goal and, and I think that's big for him. Cause you know, I think he's going to be part of this rivalry for quite a while. He's going to be one of those 
basis, Serge Sergino Des finally got to, you know, he's going to be with Barcelona a while, so he got to play. He looked pretty well, obviously not, you know, wow, amazing. Danny, I was, you know, level, but I think he's starting to get into his way in Barcelona. Messi, like I said, he's not on his form, you know. I think that showed quite, quite a bit, which is why Barcelona got the loss. But De Jong continued it pretty well. Again, not amazing, but pretty well. Pedri, 17-year-old, man. He's 17, but he looks like he's going to be a rock for quite a while. So that's truly amazing. But I'm going to flip to the Real Madrid side. You know, I've got to give them some love as well. Um, Benzema, I, you know, the one thing about Benzema is you never can count him out. He's not a great striker and by any means. If we're going to talk about the greatest strikers, I don't think I would ever bring up Benzema's name, but he just gets the job done. Like he, you know, as a striker, your number, as your number nine role, you get your job done when needed. And I think that's what he does. And that's why he's been with Real Madrid for so long. Casemiro, like I said, great form. Did more in Champions League, but he showed a little bit here as well. I think my question mark with this team right now, Vinicius Jr., I don't think Vinicius Jr. has had the best start of the year for them. There was a video clip between them that happened during their Champions League matchup recently that uh, Mendy and Benzema were talking in French and said, uh, don't pass it to Vinicius Jr. I swear he's playing against us. So, I mean, things like that where it makes you question the chemistry. I think that's the biggest thing that's going to hold back this team is chemistry and just the 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 reliance on a player, you know, because I think a year year ago they relied so much on Ramos and he showed that he can, he can step up to penalties and things like that. But, I mean – you can't be relying on people like Ramos and Casemiro to carry your attacking. You need people like Vinicius Jr. to set up. I mean, you need uh, you know, more people that are not named Benzema to do well. You know, the sentios of the world need to do better, things like that. So those are my biggest takeaways. Am I disappointed in the result for Barcelona? Clearly, I mean, each time you play that, that other team, you do want to beat them, but I'm not too bad for it. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's – uh, that was the takeaways. Uh, sorry, I went on a ramble a little bit. You know, I always love you, uh, Claus, to talk, <laughs> but wanted to give you a little, uh, little uh, spotlight. If you do want to talk, if not, you can throw another question right back at me. You know, you no, do. I mean, I think that I think the penalty was definitely questionable. It's it's Sergio Ramos. He he flailed the arms there. The jersey tug. I mean, that's is again very very ticky tack. I think I don't know if those really deserving, but yeah, I mean, I won't say, of course, that. Uh, you know, Real Madrid should not have won. And uh, I mean, I, I wasn't able to watch, so I, I definitely cannot, I should not be the one saying they, this team should have won. This team should have lost whatsoever. But, um, but yeah, that was a very interesting call. And I think VAR has really been, it's been tough. And, uh, and I think we can, we, we can always talk about VAR and I know you guys do not like talking, do not like talking about VAR, but it's prevalent almost in every match, which is just the kind of the, unfortunate thing for what we thought the purpose of it was but yeah I think it brings me to another question is that I, when when I mean I was looking at this table and you have Sociedad, Sociedad at first and I know Barcelona they've only played five matches uh, everyone else is around six or seven and so as uh, uh, the way Barcelona is and how they are how their team is right now and their form and it's still very early but I think I want to ask you do you think that because Real Madrid right now, they're they're the front runners to potentially repeat. But do you think that they might have a different challenger for the title this year, or will Barcelona eventually creep its way back in? What 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 do you think? Could there be a team that that comes in here? Um, I think sorry, you know, some some things outside of, of, of the podcast, but we'll, I mean, of the show, but we'll we'll keep going. Um, 
when it when I look at the title this year, I think it's gonna it always ends up being the top three, and I think it's gonna be a dogfight between Atletico Real and Barca. You know, as much as you know, I think this is like we mentioned at the start of the year. This is Real Madrid's title to lose. So I would be shocked if they didn't win it. But again, they do struggle with it. But I think this Barcelona team is gonna creep up to it. You know, they're gonna be a contender. I think the thing young players. I think they're they're more suited for the uh, La Liga play right now more than Champions League for the big spotlight that is the Champions League. So I think I, Ronald Koeman's focus a little bit is going to be more on La Liga than Champions League this year, knowing that they don't have a squad good enough to beat Bayern Munich. And so I think with a team like Real Madrid, who are always have their eyes on both on every trophy, I should say, even if they have a lacking squad, I think Barcelona are more suited to win La Liga. But I think Real Madrid are going to be top there, and I play to as well. But He's like, Real Sociedad, you never can discredit them. They always do very well. Sevilla, too, you know. I don't think Sevilla has the best of starts, but they're all in the same situation as as Barcelona where they haven't played as much matches. So I think they're going to get some form on there as well. But I think it's going to be the main contenders. I don't think we'll be talking about, like, a Leicester City kind of year 2015 where we're shocked about the, who who wins it at the end of the, end of the year. Yeah, all it takes is some momentum for Barcelona to get back in it. Of course, so say that they got David Silva now in there. I know he's towards the back end of his career, but he's he's still a still a big name and a guy who can help in the midfield. But um, you know this this is this brings us to our next topic here on our La Liga segment and just kind of our update in general. But big news being that the president of Barcelona, Josep Bartomeu, announcing his resignation earlier this week. And and Edwin, you were talking about it in the apartment here for for. When it, when it was announced, you were going, woohoo, yeah, let's go for his resignation. Um, of course, big news and, and much, and I guess if you're a fan, um, definitely, well, I mean, long overdue. So just simply put, what are the implications of him resigning? I think there was a lot of players that were not happy with the situation with Bartomeu. And so they, they needed new play. Uh, they need a new president. So there's no center vote is not a joke, you know, to get past that scenario, to get where they are right now, it, it, it takes quite a bad president. So for them to even be there, it, it kind of tells the, the logic. Cause I mean, Bartomeu, his failures have been, you know, the, the, in the past people have come to him and tell, told him about Alfonso Davies before he went to Byron, but he rejected him. He's even there's even been rumors that Erling Alon, he they've had conversations about Erling Alon, but that supposedly didn't fit the Barca profile. And so things like that make you question Bartomeu. And I think that means that they need a new president who understands the project. They understand the focus is not only to win right now, but also the future. So I think they need a president overall that's well rounded. So I think uh that just just in that scenario, I think that implication and also can be implications like Messi, you know, Messi, the one of the main reason why he wanted to leave was because of the board and the president. So maybe it convinces him to say, I'm not going to say hundred percent. I'm not here to say Messi's going to stay because Bartomeu resigns. That's not, I'm not in the place to say that. And also I don't think anyone's in the place to say that right now, but I think it makes it even easier because I think need a president who has a better sign for the future and better goals. And that will help the team long-term. And I don't think that was uh, Joseph Bartomeu. So that, I mean, on the base level, that's just the implications that it, that it has. And I think the another overarching question that can be that has to be asked is whether when you have this new front office and and the new this new board, which I assume it might take a long time for for it to finally go to full capacity. Would you say it might take some time for it to finally become the next board and the next president that they finally start operating? Do you think it'll take some time? 
Yeah, so, I mean, it's very, you know, it's not like the presidential election we're in right now, you know. We're obviously not getting into a, a politics talk because that's clearly not our show, you know. Definitely check out other Blaze shows. But it, it, in what this is, it's like they have to set up an official election for in between 45 to 90 days, if I am not wrong. Again, I am not the expert, but I, you know, obviously I, I, I read up on it quite a bit. So the next 45 to 90 days, they have to set up an election, they have to set up polling places, they have to, you know, all the, all the, you know, I, as presidential elections, you know, we also have debates and, you know, Barcelona president. So they have to go through that scenario. We have to see who's going to step up. You know, there's rumors of even Messi's dad who might even step in, which is very fascinating. But, you know, that sometimes they, some even presidents even decide, oh, yeah, me, you, I like your plan. I like my vision. We should combine. And maybe if we combine our thing, we can co-president. We don't need a vice president to run with this. So things like that. It's very, it's very interesting process that's going to go down. I think clearly the favorites are Laporta and Victor Front. Both of them very interesting. And um, as soon as they're stepping in, I think it's going to be huge because I think players like Jordi Alba are going to be on the shopping block, actually, Busquets and things like that. And we're going to get a lot of young players. I think we're going to get Erling Alon signing, you know, as possible now. And players like that were actually are meaningful and impactful signings for the future where – so much like I liked Arturo Vidal and then Pacquiao Barcelona, but that signing was just too old. The Pjanic, again, great player. I like the dude. I think he's solid for Barcelona, but he's too old. We need to look more in the future. The Edward Kamavengas of the world, the Mapes, the Alans, the just – I'm not saying we're going to get all of them. Don't get me wrong. I understand teams like Real Madrid and Bayern Munich are going to compete with you, but I just think it, it, it just shows that we're going to have a board that we can trust in because players like Neymar and Suarez – you know, they, you know, all, all hated it. I mean, there's quite a few players who said that you guys are free now. So things like that. So those type of decisions, implications are going to happen. But like you said, it's going to take process. It's going to be 45, 90 days. And we're going to have people step in right now, but they're not going to do much right now. I mean, we're, we're in, in the process. It's not like, you know, a Supreme Court selection is going to happen between their election, like that scenario we're going on in the U.S. So you're just, it's just going to be a, a transition that's going to happen. I think you sort of answered a little bit of my, my next question of just what what decisions can we expect from a new front office regime as far as trying to sign players. But it, it clearly seems like that's a, a basically out with the old and in with the new sort of mentality. Yeah, um, I think um, just to give you over front of, you know, why I'm, I think it's so big for Barcelona to go this way. If Laporta gets elected, again, this is promises. I'm not saying – we all know politics. There's a lot of promises. It's all about the fall through. But if Laporta were to get in an election, uh, he, his focus is on uh, bringing Pep Guardiola back to the club and be him being the manager, bringing Neymar back, and you know him being the face post Messi, and then going for the players' profiles of Mbappe and Erling Haaland. If Victor Front comes back, he actually doesn't want to bring Neymar back. He 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 actually. He wants to bring Xavi as our coach. You know, that's his first thing. Then he wants to get players like Andres Iniesta, Carlos Puyol to come back and help the club and focus on La Masia, but also focus on young players like Erling Haaland and Moffitt. So very kind of similar visions. You know, both have uh, – again, I talk about those two presidential candidates because they're clearly the favorites right now, you know. I think the only other person who would step in that might have a threat would be Jorge Messi, Messi's dad, just because – I think people would vote for him just thinking that, I mean, if Messi's dad was the president, it's not going to happen. But if Messi's dad were the president, <laughs> you would think that Messi would stay. But uh, I, I would like to think that dad, dad convinced his own son to play for him. But again, that's just 
uh, us, you know, I think, you know, if we're to quit something, Jorge Messi would be like a Conde on your ballot, whereas <laughs> some people would vote for him. And, you know, jokingly would want to see it happen, but Victor Fine and Laporta are definitely the front two. And so those type of those type of people, type of players they're going to bring in are like the profiles I talked about, Erling Alon, Mape, Kamavenga, and the younger players like that, you know, I, we we're, we might not even know about right now, but also they're going to also focus on not letting Lamazio talent leave, which I think is such a big thing that Bartomeu kind of allowed. Can you imagine if Messi's dad got elected and then – like the next day just says, all right, son, we're going to part ties. We're going to make a business decision here. Gets rid of his son off the team. <laughs> see, see, now that would be a great DCP. I'll tell you that would be a great test in the pitch where we say, what type of conversation do we have where you just imagine, you know, just imagine you and your dad sitting at a table eating dinner. Be like, hey, son, you're a great player, but uh, for the future of my team, you're not on it, but I'm shipping, I'm shipping you to England. I'm going to bring in Mbappe to replace you. Like, I mean, like you would, you would hope also like in a conversation, you know, again, let's think of it the other way, you know, but you know, imagine Messi's father's like, Hey, I'm going to offer you a two year extension. And Messi's like, no, nah, I don't want to play for you. I don't trust your decision. Like, can you imagine that also? Like, both both flips would be so interesting to see how the how those conversations go. But I think I'll tell you this: if he does become president, I think we'll have interesting scenarios about the Messi complications and what's going to happen in the future. Well, if uh, if Messi if if in that rare scenario that Messi doesn't want to play for his dad, I don't think dad is going to invite him to uh, Thanksgiving dinner or whatever. It's going to be very family awkward. dinners. Yeah, that would be a very awkward. The scene for the the grandchildren and the you know the 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 messy family as a whole would be uh, messy, as you could say it very uh, say it nicely. All right, we're getting towards the. <laughs> I I want to I just want to finish one thing. I think it'd be like you know how we joke lay coach lay GM with LeBron. Yeah, I think it'd be like that. I think Messi basically Jorge Messi would be the president, but we know who'd be calling the shots. It'd be oh, literally yeah. messy. It'd be messy as the president, basically, which is gonna happen one day. Don't get me wrong. The day that Messi goes for presidential election, I guarantee you it's gonna be ninety-five percent votes are gonna go to Messi. So, oh my god, the day gosh. that happens, it's gonna happen. But like, like I said, um, Jorge Messi, it would be a joke of a uh, like. I'm not saying. Listen, I can if he does become president, I have more faith than Bartomeu, but I just think it'd be interesting how that father father dynamic would would work out. Oh my god, that'd be. That'd be something to, to keep an eye out for. Messi becoming the president, like he, it just seems like he'll never get out of the get out of the spotlight for even after he is done playing. It's just it's gonna keep going. I guess it's like Ronaldinho, but you know that Ronaldinho has his own issues for whatever reasons, and we don't need to get into that, of course. Um, let's move on here as we kind of have about less than ten minutes to go on the show. Uh, this was a question that I had. I really wished I had had both of you guys to answer here, but I'm only just going to get your opinion. I guess you can get my opinion, even though, you know, I I have to put on my Steve nickel hat for just the, for the, for the evening. But um, who is the second best team in the world right now? Um, You know, we can all agree that that Bayern Munich right now, they're the number one team. I mean, it just seems like that they have no issues at all with whatsoever with their team, just from top to bottom. They're amazing, but who is the second best? And I really wish, I think you and Miller would have had some different opinions, but I'm going to, you know, give you the, the, the front stage here, Edwin, um, you know, Liverpool, Manchester city, PSG, Juventus, Real Madrid. I mean, those are all, all candidates, but 
I think it's fair to say that all teams, both all those teams I just mentioned, they have their own prominent issues as well, whether offensively or defensively. But who do you believe is the number two team in the world right now? It's so hard because, like you said, all of them are not playing to their 100%. But I, I, I truly do think out of the bunch, right? We're looking at the <laughs> – we're looking at injuries. We're looking at the performance. We're looking at what's going on right now. And, what's you know, just the overall situation. I got to favor PSG. I, I, because I just think talent wise, when you have Kylian Mappe, who's one of the best, if not, you know, the best upcoming stars, you have Neymar Jr., who, like we talked about today in our conversation, he's just worlds apart from other people. And just, I think, you know, Miller would be here talking about the midfield and the issues with that. But I think that midfield is better than he gives credit. I just think they're missing that number nine. And I, I think Moise Keane is fi- finally slotting in. So I think a front three of Moise Keane, Mappe, and Neymar are going to be the future. And I think that the front three is going to be great. And you, have, you even have people like Di Maria off the, you know, if he plays off the bench, he's a great bench player. He always, always uh, provides in those moments. So I think when you look at it, it has to be PSG. But I think if Liverpool were fully healthy, then I think you're the favorite Liverpool. I think Man City deserves a shout because the talent they have, I think they're they're getting things. Pep Guardiola, truly love the guy. Um, all or nothing. Again, I got to keep the streak going. Oh, man, um, another plug for the Another show. plug for all or Sponsored, nothing. Sponsor us already, Amazon. A great show in all or nothing. I love Man <laughs> I, I do love I love Pep Guardiola, so I think you got to think that. But I don't think Juventus – I don't think even Real Madrid deserves a shout right now. This is uh, just, the, just the hole that they have right now. But I think if you if we're, we're if I'm gonna make my pick right now, it's gonna be PSG. You know the good old saying is great minds think alike, and uh, you know I am gonna have to. I think if you were to ask me a couple of weeks ago when Virgil Van Dyke was still healthy for that Liverpool team, I I think I would have probably said Liverpool um, to to be that number two. Uh, even though they had some you know issues, but they were still relatively minor. It's not, it's like we're I think as as soccer analysts, you're just getting very nitpicky with teams and just trying to find any any little sliver of of a flaw that they have and try to magnify it. But I think Virgil will hurt down the road, and I think PSG has a good chance, and I are not a good chance, but I think they are that second best team. Um, and as you mentioned, Moises Keane, who had a great game uh, this afternoon, this Wednesday against Istanbul with the two goals, and I think if they can have somebody that isn't just Mbappe creating opportunities and I think if Keane if if he can continue this type of performance because we saw um earlier today Neymar getting going down again just seems like the guy is always getting hurt some way some form so if you have Neymar and if you have a Keane who's that that um talented and Mbappe and I think the the defense Kaylor Navas is a very you know, very good above average goalkeeper, I think in the defense and can pen bacon can pull up. So um, I think, I think that they have a case to be number two. And personally, it's just when they reach the round of 16, whether they can, you know, finally get out of there or find get out of that hole, I guess. But I, I don't know. It's just, I think PSG is, is in that position. Maybe Liverpool's just a, a tad bit behind them. They're probably third in my opinion, but I think it's still the gap though, between Bayern and, and PSG though, is still very, I think it's still very wide. I don't know if you would agree, but it just seems like Bayern Munich. There's, there's just literally no flaws with them. Yeah. I would agree. I no, you know, I, I do, we're running out of time. So all I'll say is I'll agree. Is, um, and I think you put it very well. 
Oh, I know you love talking Bayern Munich. You love talking about them Bayern boys. All right, we only have a couple more minutes left. We don't have Miller time, unfortunately, but we're going to have somebody try and fill in the best as we can, and it's going to be a little Miller time plus Edwin segment here. Um, And so, Edwin Perez, before you begin, though, I just want to go over last week's picks that you guys both had, and let's just say you guys guys were horrible. Don't worry about it. You, we, you, we each got one. We each got one. We'll just have to say you that. Got, you each got one, but the, the clock watching three games of soccer, the plus 135, big bet. Uh, if y'all, if you guys took the under on that one, you're, you're smart. Cause yep. uh, I think I only was at one or two games. So, um, but yeah. And also can I just mention how Villarreal Cadiz, you said to take the over in goals and that was a scoreless draw. Actually, listen, <laughs> it was only one. I thought they could, but I guess I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but what games do we should we keep, look out for? Uh, I'm gonna go quick, you know, just so we can fit it in time. So I'm gonna go. I'm looking at the Premier League and I'm looking at people who are hurt and injured right now and going through a rough time. I'm looking at the Liverpool versus West Ham game. You know, I'm a little biased, but you know, being honest, West Ham's been pulling some impressive results with draws versus Man City and Tottenham. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna have them drawing against Liverpool. I'm, I'm going to give the draw slash win to West Ham. Um, again, we, well, you know, I'll go more in depth, but we only have so much time. Um, Man United, Arsenal, again. Um, no, I think that's too easy. I think Man United is going to win this. I'm not going to do that one. Uh, I like to make the bold one, as, as you can tell. Oh, man. Um, so I'm going to look at the Fulham and West Brom game, you know. That game is a 17 versus 20 matchup. And Fulham has one point this season, so I'm a big Fulham. And my final one is going to be uh, Newcastle versus uh, Everton. I'm going to pick the draw, although Everton is doing very well. All right. We're going to have to mark those down next time. But thanks again, Edwin, for laying down some picks in place of Miller McHaney. We miss you out there, Miller. We'll hope to see you get you back here next week. But that is going to do it for this episode of Dissecting the Pitch. Make sure you guys tune in um next week here on apple Podcasts, here on spotify as well as of course on blazeradioonline.com but for my partner edwin perez i'm gareth quack saying so long and uh, we will see you all next time same place same time next week have a good one